It's March 24th, 2021. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we'll have Kohio Lewis from the Council for Native Hawaiian Advancement, and he's here to tell us about the open application period for the third pop-up makeke. And then we'll be joined by Virginia Beck and Chris Lam. And we'll talk about the public access room and supporting the legislative process. And right now, I want to welcome Kohio Lewis from CNHA. And, of course, he's here to tell us about the pop-up makeke and the open call for vendors. Welcome to the show, Kohio. Hey, Bert. Thanks for having me. So, pop-up makeke, you know, uh, I I remember back in the... 2020, uh, your your launch of uh, the the first season, and and lo and behold, what we're what you're getting ready for the third season. Yeah, you know it's been almost a year to the day from when we launched the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so tell us, uh, in essence, what what is a pop up makeke for listeners that uh, aren't familiar with it? Well, the pop up makeke was created when the state shut down when. You know, there was an order in place that everyone had to stay at home and knew that when that happened, you were talking about hundreds and hundreds of micro-businesses, small mm-hmm. businesses who depend on events uh, to make ends meet. You know, it could be that supplemental income or the sole income. All of those festivals, all of those craft fairs were all gone. And so the Papa Makike came came by way of really the Merry Monarch being canceled because separate from the Merry Monarch, you have a big craft fair. And so providing them with the means to continue to sell their products on an e-commerce platform was something that we knew we had to do. And so that was the birth of the Papa Makeke. And, and so, it, oh no, yeah. no, go ahead, go ahead. No, it, that, was, that was the beginning. And, you know, we went out and we were asking around for donations because, you know, it was not something we normally do. Um, and it all started from... A $10,000 donation from Hawaii Community Foundation who believed in the project. And that was followed by uh, support from Hawaii Tourism Authority, who they too didn't know, you know, how to deal with the crisis. And then Hawaiian Airlines came into the picture with their World Elite MasterCard, and, and it just, Papa Makeke has ballooned since then and blossomed into this full-blown operation. Well, you know, I got to hand it to you, Kohio. You know, the CNHA isn't in the e-commerce business, <laughs> so for you to stand this up in a a quick turnaround fashion like you did, I mean, what kind of resources did you have to pull together to create not only, uh, you know, a an e-commerce uh, uh, platform, but you know, now you're welcoming in you know three hundred plus uh, merchants into the into the system. I mean. What did it take to, to accomplish that? Well, it, it just took hard work, and it was a collaborative effort amongst my entire staff. And keep in mind, just like everyone else, we were trying to figure out how to pivot ourselves. You know, all of the in-person classes and courses that we we do mm-hmm. all were canceled as well. So this is very much a pivot for our organization. And so all it took was all hands on deck. Let's figure out. Let's be solution-oriented. Let's figure out how we're going to supporter community. That's great. So the first uh, season, uh, how long did that last? And then, uh, and then what, what kind of prompted the second season? So the first season was two months. And what prompted the, the second season that followed it was the success of it. And, you know, honestly, we thought after two months, you know, like everyone else, we thought, okay, everything will go back to normal soon. 
And so that didn't happen. Everybody was still in the same state. In fact, our the COVID got worse. And so we knew that additional support was needed, so we launched Season 2. Um, and, and altogether, so far, since the launch of the Makeke, we've sold over 100 and over 100,000 Hawaii-based products to customers around the world. It's put over $2 million into the pockets of our small micro-businesses. And so now we're on the heels of doing Season 3. And and uh, Kohio, I I I don't I don't think people appreciate the fact that uh, you were probably in the back room over there boxing everything. <laughs> I totally was. <laughs> I was yeah. Totally bo- yeah. I, I turned from you know I became the what do you call it warehouse manager at times, and we had to figure out postage. We had to figure out all of that. You know, like which items go in which boxes. So. It, it was a we developed in the process. As oh well. yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And so the third one is coming up, and that's great, great testament to you. And uh, tell us about your partnership. So no, I'm excited. The Papa Makeke season three is we're we're on its heels. We plan to launch it in June, uh, early June, and we are looking to bring in vendors or give them an opportunity to apply. Uh, we have partnered this time with Amazon, which is huge. Amazon has been hitting us up for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after this last season, an overwhelming response from the community and community at large, we were like, okay, it's time to figure out how someone that knows this a lot better than us can help. So we've, we engaged with Amazon. We entered into a formal partnership. They will be helping on a number of fronts, including amplifying the marketing that we, the supplementing the marketing that we do. So partnership with Amazon, and we are accepting applications from vendors that want to be a part of Pop-Up Makeke. No, that's great. That's great. And so no, you don't need to do all the packing in the, in the back room. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> that's and good. I, I'll emphasize, Bert, real quick. There's no charge to be a vendor in the Pop-Up Makeke. It's free. So this is all subsidized by funding that we got and seek from various partners. So there's no cost. We don't take a if you, if the consignment arrangement we don't take a fee that is subsidized by funds that we raise that's great and so where can people sign up for uh, you know getting an application to be a vendor popupmakeke.com is the website that you would go to shop eventually but right now it's for vendor application and is there a deadline it's a rolling so we're going to start selecting vendors in early April so the sooner that you apply the better uh, your chances at getting selected are. But it's a rolling deadline. There's no end date. It's just we're going to start selecting in early April. Great, great. So I'll definitely put that up on our show notes for later on. Hey, mahalo, Kuhio, for uh, joining us. Thanks, Bert. And we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Virginia Beck and Chris Lamb, and we'll talk about the public access room. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Ulupono Initiative. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now I'm happy to welcome Virginia Beck. She's the Public Access Coordinator and Chris Lamb, Senate IT Director, and they're here to talk about the Public Access Room and how it supports the legislative process. I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks, Bert. Glad to be here. 
And and you know, I, I do want to uh, preface the the show by by letting people know that, you know, I I did have a uh, program back in March third, not too long ago, and and uh, you know, we we talked a lot about uh, the capital.hawaii.gov and and it was kind of focused around you know the remote um, testifying and leveraging technology. And then one of uh, my listeners wrote to me and said. How come you didn't mention anything about the public access room? I said, "Oh, geez, I, sh- you know, I, I, I have always wanted to have uh, somebody from the public access room come on, and that was a that was a prompt, you know, for me to do that, and that's why I, I gave uh, Virginia a call. And you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Virginia. I mean, you know, I'm familiar with the public access room because you know when I when I go to the Capitol, you know, it's always there and it's a resource. Anybody can stop by, and there's you know very helpful people to. To help you along, but you know it's sort of the um, I kind of look at it as uh, uh, the the analog world. You know, I mean that's that's what you do when you go to the Capitol and go to the par. Uh, and maybe maybe before I I ask you about how you uh, maybe pivoted, uh, maybe explain kind of what you do pre-pandemic and and maybe uh, how you sort of evolved into the sort of post-pandemic world. Sure. Well, we've been around since uh, 1990, and uh, we're part of the Nonpartisan Legislative Reference Bureau. Mm-hmm. And we were established by the legislature to provide resources to the public to help them participate at the legislature, because this whole thing of democracy doesn't work as well without people being involved. So, um, as you mentioned, we have an, when the Capitol is open to the public, we have an office available for people to use. Um, we also provide guidance um, about the legislative process, how things work. Uh, we do workshops. Um, and we've tried to maintain what we do. You know, we don't have people coming into the office anymore, but we do have people calling and emailing, and we're able to do workshops over the Zoom platform, and that seems to work out pretty well. Oh, that's great. So how did people, I mean, were you able to get the word out that you're still in operations, that that, that uh, people could still contact you? I know, and I remember, you know, the 2020 session was a, a pretty chaotic, <laughs> chaotic session, <laughs> you know, and everything was happening kind of all at once. I mean, the shutdown and then everybody having to figure out, you know, what are they going to do in the in the meantime? Uh, right. How did you get the word out to people that, that you were still available as a resource? Well, you know, we, we've um, continued. We've got an, an email list, so, of course, we're, we're reaching out to people that way. Um, we've got our website. Um, we've asked um, on the hearing notices now, uh, people who are getting the hearing notices by email, there is um, contact information about the public access room to remind them that we're here to help them as they're trying to understand this whole process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, 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 we really rely a lot on word of mouth, you know. Right. We teach someone about the process. They get a group involved. They teach each other, and, you know, hopefully it grows. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And, and Chris, so... Uh, I know you're on the Senate IT uh, side of the House, and the way I kind of think about it is that the you know the legislature has two kind of IT 
departments, one that supports the, the House and another that supports the Senate. And, and maybe you could explain a little bit uh, more in terms of your role there and, and, and where, what's the intersection between what you do and the public access room. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm the IT director here at the Senate. Um, I came in on around 2019, and I oversee the, the IT and data systems here on the Senate side. We work with uh, the House. They, they have their own um, support department as well. But we uh, generally have been working with public access room for things like working with uh, broadcast and the website and any questions that we may get from the public uh, about the about the website or testifying on Mm-hmm. So you're uh, as a as a organization, um, you the Senate side supports uh, the the folks over at the uh, public access room. I mean, so that's kind of like within your uh, wheelhouse of, of support. Yeah, we, well, we work with together with the public access room. They they do have um, they are under the uh, legislative reference bureau, so they also have I think a small IT department on their side, but. Mm-hmm. But we would work directly with them whenever it comes to things like the website oh, cool. and broadcast. So, so Virginia, you, you mentioned you mentioned the during the course of of uh, I guess twenty twenty, you put it out there that the uh, classes were available. So, what sort of classes did you folks uh, make available on Zoom? Well, um, we we have uh, one of our main days is a workshop called Your Voice, mm-hmm. which takes almost an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, and it goes over the legislative process and how people can add their voice at various stages along the way. And that's been really popular. And now as we're getting further into session, we'll probably um, be offering a workshop for people to understand how the conference process works and what happens to bills when they leave the legislature. That kind of thing. You know, I, I should I should take some of those classes because I, I'm still baffled at how the conference uh portion works. I it, to me it's like it's like magic. It's like you know <laughs> these bills they they go over one side, they cross over to the other side and all of a sudden it goes to conference and you know, on the surface it looks like a conference committee, but you know, it's sort of uh it's a, it's a mystery to me. So yeah, I, I, it's, I, a, it's a little bit of the op- opaque part of the process. <laughs> And and um, so Chris, you know, in terms of uh, the the website that you said you you guys uh, uh, support, so you support the the public access room website. What's the do you know the the URL off the top of your head? Uh, actually, actually, um, I Chris doesn't support our website. That's really more um, done by the LRB um, staff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and our our URL is LRB hawaii.gov/par. Oh, okay. And then, but so, Chris, what what re- website you, were you referring to? Oh, I'm talk, talking about the capital.hawaii.gov. Oh, okay, 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 okay. The legislative website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, so when it when it comes to like the the courses that um, that Virginia you've put out there, I mean, uh, who supports you on 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 the Zoom uh, administration side of things? That would be me. <laughs> oh, you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, how big of just, a staff do you have? Oh, we've got two people that work year-round, and um, and then we have one other person who joined us for the session. So I'm, I'm, but, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Virginia, I mean, during the period of, obviously, 2020 was kind of a, a uh, very chaotic uh, session, and then right. things started to 
get more maybe prepared for the 2021 session. Uh, in terms of in terms of the f- the things that you were able to incorporate it into the public access room, I mean, um, what sort of things did you embrace? I guess going into the 2021 session. Well, I guess one of the things we decided is that we need to um, do a little bit more outreach. So while traditionally we've done a newsletter during session, we started back in October doing a monthly newsletter um, going out, um, you know, from, from there on forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and then reaching out um, through that means of, you know, letting people know that they could call or email us and we'd be happy to do workshops for their groups or do individual tutorials if it came to that. Oh, no, that's great. That's yeah. great. Now, now, Chris, uh, you said that uh, you've spent a fair amount of time supporting the uh, capital.hawaii.gov. And and uh, for the time that you've been there, I mean, what what were some of the kind of the key tools that you relied on when going into or preparing for the 2021 session? I mean, seeing that there was a, a, a big need to support the, the remote testimony process. Right. So a big part of what we worked on in 2020 and 2021 was really allowing people to register for remote testimony on the site. So we knew that we were going to be using Zoom. We had tested a few different platforms for remote testimony, um, and we kind of came with uh, Zoom as being the, the best option, we thought. So, But we wanted an easy way for people to be able to um, testify remotely and jump jump in. So we integrated that into the website. So that was kind of a big part of what we had worked on. Yeah, you, when you say integrated into the website, I mean, one of the things that I I, I find um, useful is that, you know, when you submit testimony and then you have a page that shows you, you know, which uh, uh, which committees are meeting, and then in that in that uh, menu bar on the left-hand side, you know, it, it uh, gives you a join button and it also provides you a, a, like a view button. Uh, but the join button is something brand new, right? I mean, and that's something that you needed to integrate uh, when when integrating with Zoom. Yeah, we had a few people uh, work on that this year, Reed Yashiro and uh, Brent Lau, um, who really spent a lot of time like getting the, the Zoom integration into the website as well as um, putting all those video links available on the hearing page so people could just go to the hearing page and see like all the YouTube links um, and just jump into the hearing and watch the hearings that they want to see. Yeah, you know, I do want to talk a little bit about that because I thought that that was uh, pretty, um, not only cool, but it, it was done pretty quickly because, you know, uh, well, let me let me let me save that as a teaser. Want to hold that thought? We'll be right back after this uh, short break to continue our conversation with Virginia Beck uh, over at the Public Access Room and uh, Chris Lamb from uh, the Senate IT Department, and of course uh, we're talking about supporting the legislative process. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Honolulu Waldorf School. And welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Virginia Beck. She's the Public Access Coordinator. And uh, also we have Chris Lamb, Senate IT Director, and we're talking about uh, supporting the legislative process. And 
And right before the break, um, you know, I was talking to Chris about leveraging Zoom, integrating it with the uh, with the website, you know, allowing people to not only, <clears throat> you know, testify, uh, but, you know, building the sort of the ease of use for them to log in and, and then get uh, access to the, the Zoom login. And then, um, you know, the aspect of making it available on YouTube, I thought was pretty pretty cool because, you know, before the the uh, videos were always um, archived, but it took a while for the archive to actually get uh, get posted. But now with the integration with with YouTube, uh, you not only can watch the stream live, but as soon as the the stream is over, the the video is posted. I mean, almost immediately. I mean, I think that was uh, that's a great uh, you know user interface that you did. Yeah, that, that's been really popular with the users because, you know, if you've missed something and they did decision-making, passed something with amendments, you can just very quickly go and watch, listen to the decision-making and find out what they were planning to do with that bill. So, Virginia, is there, what you know, uh, being that this is kind of new, is there a protocol for the testifiers? You know, I noticed that uh, there is some validation of your identity because uh, you want to make sure that you know the people that have submitted testimony are the ones that actually are logging in with zoom uh but but once the you know there's obviously multiple bills that uh that uh, get discussed during any committee hearing uh do you have any uh maybe insights into the the typical protocol do testifiers just come in do their testimony and then once it's done they kind of just uh this log off and disappear they maybe they may hang on till decision making but uh what is the what is the typical kind of protocol for the testifiers well i think i think most testifiers would um stay on if they thought that there were going to be questions about the issue mm-hmm. and then um you know some of the departments and whatnot um may um be covering a number of different bills that are on the same agenda and so they'll stay on for a while, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But um, the the nice thing, since everything is on YouTube, you could, you know, after your issue has been dealt with, you could hang up and then go ahead and log on or access YouTube and just watch as you're doing other things. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's a really uh, I think uh, beneficial. Now, now, Chris, you know, in terms of some of the the tools that have been used and, and incorporated in this session. I mean, uh, <clears throat> what do you what do you see as being the sort of like the the lasting uh, impact of some of the tools that may be incorporated into future sessions? Um, sorry, what do you mean by that, Bert? Well, uh, basically, what do you think is going to last into the future <laughs> into our new reality? Oh well, I think I think. Go ahead. I mean, I think YouTube is here to stay, and I think uh, us being able to stream out to YouTube is going to be something that we want to keep keep going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, was it was it a, a, a tough decision to incorporate YouTube because YouTube it was never used prior to this, right? So, I mean, was there some vetting that needed to be done to to decide YouTube was the uh, platform? Yeah, we had used a, a program called Granicus before. Yeah, we we found that the the user experience wasn't very good. There's a lot of buffering and like a lot of wait times for people. Mm-hmm. 
And you know, YouTube is kind of a universal platform that people are really comfortable with. They're, they're, they know how to use it. They know what to expect. They know how to search for things. So we thought it was a, a great, um, a great option. And so we tested it actually early on, um, early in February of 2020. And you'll actually see some of those videos still on the Senate page. Um, you'll see a few of the early uh, renditions of us trying to um, cover some of the technology hearings. And so we we learned early on that it was a, we thought it was a good good option. Oh, that's great. And and and, and Chris, you know, in terms of the uh, support, uh, what goes into the support for the committee, right? So the committee comes in. You have senators. You have uh, representatives. But there's a there's an IT staff that's that's basically supporting them as a as sort of administrative support for the technology. And so typically, what is what is uh, dedicated to that particular hearing? I mean, who are the people working the you know the the technical details? Well, besides our like main engineer Robbie Omura, who mm-hmm. kind of oversees a lot of the production side, we generally have two people assigned to every hearing. We call this like kind of a Zoom coordinator mm-hmm. who's kind of managing people coming in and out of Zoom, audio, things like that. And then a live streamer who's essentially just covering uh, the YouTube side. Did you folks have to uh, staff up? I mean, is this, is this new employees or did you have to upskill anybody to, to serve this new function? We had some of our IT department testing and kind of getting involved in covering some of the hearings during summer. And then, uh, we did hire a few session hires, probably about five or six people, mm-hmm. uh, to help with the process. Oh, that's they're great. all just trained up. They they aren't necessarily all technical background, so um, but they were actually they learned it and picked it up pretty well. And and so Chris, I mean, from your standpoint, what is your assessment of testifiers and their ability to use this technology as a as a means to, you know, interact with the committees? It seems to work well. I mean, I think that, you know, there were a few bumps in the road in the beginning, but I, I think that, you know, the, the feedback we've gotten from testifiers have been really positive. And so I think it's it's going to be something that we can hopefully, you know, keep around. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I really like it. And the neighbor no, island folks are very happy about the opportunity to testify without having to fly over to Oahu. Oh yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, I was going to say that I'm spoiled because I don't have to walk across the street. <laughs> <laughs> but for you know, for uh, neighbor island folks, yeah, they don't have to fly over. And so, so Virginia, from your side, I mean, uh, you know, what is your uh, maybe anecdotal, but you know, what are you hearing from people that are now using the system? Well, they seem to like it. It, it, you know, there there is a little bit of a learning curve for some. Some people are more adept at using, you know, websites and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But once they get the hang of it, I think um, they really like it. And um, I hope that they will share with one another, you know, as, as people are watching on YouTube and finding other people are testifying, they'll see it's nothing to be too afraid of and to jump on in and, you know, next time instead of just written testimony, select, yes, I want to Zoom as well. Yeah, and you know, I I find that the the legislators are are pretty uh, accommodating. I mean, they're not intimidating. They don't try to be, you know, intimidating. And so I think uh, I think it makes for uh, a fairly uh, easy, you know, discussion. So, uh, in the last few seconds, uh, Virginia, what's the website that people can go to for for the public access room? 
lrb.hawaii.gov slash PAR. You can also get to it from the capital.hawaii.gov page on the link. Yeah, very good. So Virginia Beck is the public access coordinator for the public access room. Chris Lamb is the Senate IT director, and I want to thank them both for joining us today. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Bars Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about the unmanned aerial systems and the high-altitude long-endurance drones. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You stay safe. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you.